We heard the Apostle Paul tell us this morning, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Six days before his transfiguration on the mountain, Jesus is in the area of Caesarea Philippi to the north with his disciples. He gives some very pointed instructions to these disciples about what it means to be his disciples, what it's going to take to be his followers. He knows very well that he is going to die very soon on a Roman cross, and he expects his followers to also be willing to carry and die upon a cross. He says to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Six days after saying that, Jesus is now with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John on a mountain. Jesus is transfigured in front of them. The appearance of his figure changed to show them who he really was. He needed to give them a glimpse of his full glory to prepare them for what they were going to be seeing a few days later in Jerusalem. There they would see Jesus betrayed, arrested, denied, slapped, spat on, and scourged. His bruised, beaten, and bloodied body would be hanging in a twisted, disfigured mess on the cross. It would be the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, like someone whom people cannot bear to look at. Then Peter, James, and John could recall that vision of glory of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. This could be a very confusing time for these disciples. Will the real Jesus please stand up? Because is the real Jesus the one who is on the Mount of Glory in heavenly conversation and receiving divine fatherly approval? Or is the real Jesus the one on the place of the skull receiving mocking abuse and fatherly abandonment? How can they make sense of these two starkly contrasting pictures? Jesus wanted to give them a vision of his glory while he knew they would be hiding from the Jews because they had just, these same Jews had just killed the Son of God. Jesus wanted them to recall this vision of glory for very soon they would then become apostles sent out into the world where they would face persecution, imprisonment, exile, and death. Peter, James, and John needed this vision of glory to sustain them through the dark days ahead. We need this vision of Jesus' glory to sustain us through the dark days ahead. And what are those dark days? It's persecution. Persecution is coming and has already come to North America. Some examples. A Canadian member of parliament said earlier this week, I'd like to say, first of all, there is no such thing as parental rights in Canada. And then a New York York, uh, court 
showed exactly the same thing here in America where it denied parental rights to a father who was trying to keep his son from receiving puberty blockers at eight years old. An Ohio pastor was recently charged for housing homeless people in his church because his town's homeless shelter was already full. A Christian Navy veteran who had cut down the satanic statue that was adorning the Iowa State Capitol has been charged with a hate crime, a hate crime against Satan. Six six pro-life activists were convicted this last week of federal charges of the FACE Act and now face over a decade in prison. And notice that these kinds of things are happening more and more in our current culture. The government closes churches. Big tech shuts down anything that they deem scriptural that is inappropriate. The culture cancels those who are not following their approved narrative. Fellow Christians, we cannot be naive thinking that these things are not happening. We cannot keep our heads down and hope for the best. We cannot remain silent and hope that people will not bother us. Persecution is the norm for God's people, not the exception. Six days before his transfiguration, Jesus gave a very realistic assessment to his disciples of what to expect. The world may often seem cute and cuddly and harmless. Satan himself may appear like an angel of light, but he can very quickly take off his mask and show who he really is, a roaring lion looking to devour someone. St. Paul tells us today in our epistle lesson who the devil is. He describes him as the God of this age who has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from clearly seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The God of this age is continually attacking the followers of the one true God. Jesus says that this work of spreading his gospel throughout the kingdom of this earth is not going to be easy, nor will it always be pleasant for his disciples. People are going to be naturally resistant to the gospel. The gospel that changes hearts, changes minds, changes souls, changes our very eternal destinations. People are resistant to that gospel because we are by nature enemies of God. We hate what God loves. And so we are not to expect popularity, but persecution. We will not receive unflagging adulation, but ardent flogging. We should not expect applause, and gratitude, but should rather expect a rest and the grave. So in typical fashion, Jesus does not sugarcoat things with his disciples. If we are going to follow him, we need to know what we are getting ourselves into. Jesus tells us how seriously he takes suffering in his name. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In fact, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says that taking up his cross doesn't just mean suffering. It means dying. 
If we're going to be followers of Christ, that means that we should expect suffering, imprisonment, persecution, and even death. So what are we going to do? Will we shrink from this suffering? Will we shirk our responsibilities? Will we keep our head down, our eyes closed, and our mouths shut? If we do any of that, are we really carrying a cross in Christ's name? And yet, we don't have to pretend like we are ill-fated red shirts on a Star Trek episode. Do not be afraid of persecution. Rather, welcome it. Jesus promises us that the Holy Spirit will give us the right words to say at the right time when we are dragged before kings, courts, and councils. Jesus promises that he is going to be with us. He promises that his gospel is going to be spread to all the four corners of the earth before he returns. He also promises that if we are willing to give up our lives for his sake, then we have gained eternal life. And while you are in the dreary plain of despair and traveling through the dark valley of the shadow of death, recall this vision of glory of Jesus on the mountain. But really, keep both mountains in mind, the mount of glory and the mount of suffering. Jesus was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John on one mountain to show them who he really was. Jesus was disfigured in front of the religious leaders of the Jews and the Roman soldiers on another mountain to show them who he really was and what he had come, come to do to save humanity. At his transfiguration, Jesus' clothes were radiant, white, dazzling, brighter than anyone could bleach them. On the other mountain, Jesus' clothes were stripped off of him and were gambled for by the Roman soldiers. Jesus had Moses and Elijah on either side of him when he was talking to them about his departure, about his exodus on the one mountain. On the other mountain, Jesus had two, soul, two criminals on either side of him, and he spoke to the one about his departure, about his exodus when he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Darkness appeared upon the Mount of Transfiguration as God the Father announced to the world, This is my Son. On Good Friday, on the place of Golgotha, darkness covered that whole place of the skull and every other area around the skull. And all the world heard the Roman centurion announce, Truly this man was the Son of God. Jesus' glory was apparent on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus' true glory was hidden under the blood from his brow, the swollenness of his cheeks, and the torn flesh on his back. Yet his greater glory was achieved as Jesus accomplished on Mount Calvary his exodus from this world as this world's Redeemer. John was the only disciple recorded in Scripture to be on both mountains. He must have felt on that first mountain of transfiguration as if heaven had come down to earth. But on Mount Calvary, he must have felt like hell had come up to earth. 
Jesus was transfigured to enable the disciples and us to see what is really happening on the cross. Jesus' life was not taken from him, but he willingly gave up his life. The Son of God could not be killed. He allowed himself to die. This was not the punishment of an ordinary man, but it was the self-sacrifice of the all-glorious God. Jesus was not hanging on the cross in shame, but in the glory of his sacrificial love for humanity. Jesus left the Mount of Transfiguration to come down the mountain to do his redeeming work. Just as he descended from heaven to be born in Bethlehem, so also Jesus descended from that mountain to be crucified on Calvary. We live constantly in the tension between the cross and the resurrection, between dying and rising, of the glory of the transfiguration and the glory of the Mount of Calvary. And there is tension in this glory of working in God's kingdom, and there is also glory in carrying our cross to do that kingdom work. Persecution was coming for Jesus' disciples. Persecution is coming for us. The disciples weren't ready for it, and so they became afraid. They hid, and they locked themselves behind closed doors. Remember who Jesus is. Be bold. Stand strong. Preach Christ. Preach Christ, the Christ that was transfigured in glory, the Christ that is crucified in glory, the Christ dazzling white with divinity and the Christ bloody, redeeming humanity. These two visions of Christ are what you need as you go out to face persecution in Christ's name. And so we agree with Peter when he said, it is good for us to be here. Of course it's good for us to be here. It is good for us to be here in our sanctuary this whole epiphany season to be with Jesus going from the Jordan River, to the Mount of Transfiguration. It is good for us to be here again on Ash Wednesday and throughout the six weeks of Lent as we travel with Jesus to Mount Calvary. And we take these journeys together, not afraid of persecution, but welcoming persecution because we are journeying together to Mount Zion in heaven where we will see Jesus in all of his divine glory. Amen. Please rise. For the God who said, Let light will shine out of darkness is the same one who made light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen.